Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. It's hour number two right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Friday, September 1st, Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Uh, Before we get into anything else, let's reset the scene with today's poll questions and we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question here and it wrapped up the 32-team NFL previews with the Las Vegas Raiders. We, of course, by the way, are the home for the Raiders once again this season. You can check out the broadcast schedule, KDOS1060.com. Bob also had a conversation with Vic Tafer of The Athletic talking all things Las Vegas Raiders. The win total sitting at 7.5. Are you on the over? Are you on the under? And the masses currently are on the under to the tune of 75% of the vote, over sitting at 25%. Once again, uh, of the 32 teams we've now covered and did win totals for all these as far as our poll questions go, this is the one that seems to have the most uh, fluctuation uh, from you know one week to the next. I mean, most of the summer, and really you know, when these things get posted in, in the end of April, first part of May in most uh, betting locations, we've seen seven and a half. However, the last you know two three weeks, or maybe a little longer than that, but you know, once the Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo is he going to be ready for the season and training camp and whatever speculation started, uh, it's gone down. To, there's there's plenty of six and a halfs out there now. So uh, it's still I think there's more seven and a halfs, but you know, like it's uh, you know, shop around if you're interested in uh, this number and act accordingly whether you want to bet the over or the under. If you want to bet the over, there's some six and a halfs out there that I've seen. If you want to bet the under, there's plenty of seven and a halfs. We will officially provide our answer at 1130 today. Still time for you to cash your vote, KDOS1060.com. Flipping this on over to Twitter, at KDOSAM1060. Who wins Sunday in Orlando, Florida State, or LSU? LSU continues to lead the way 64.7% and Florida State at 35.3%. Another thing, if you're actually going to bet on this, you know, shop around on this too, because uh, there's you know plenty of twos, two and a halfs. Yeah, I know that there's some speak uh, people in Las Vegas that think this number is actually going to go up. This is a standalone game on Sunday, uh, so oftentimes uh, this will be the first time I say this this year. Uh, standalone games usually uh, the public gets involved and bet they, they bet the favorite. Uh, so if you're waiting for uh, to maybe if you're going to bet on Florida State, I'd wait and see if there's some threes out there by game time. 
We'll answer that question 11.30 today. Uh, as it is, it is Friday. It's September 1st. That means it's Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits Friday spread. You can visit them 2390 North Alma School in Chandler. The weekend specials here, certified Angus Beef Choice New York Strip Steak at $24.99 a pound, bacon-wrapped boneless pork chops at 2 for $10, and fresh jumbo party-style chicken wings at $4.99 a pound. In the previous uh, segment, we gave away our $100 gift certificate to Von Hansen's for the weekend. And in addition to that, remember, with the Friday spread, we're doing it once again. We're all collectively rooting, unless it goes directly against our interests, of course. Uh, we're all collectively rooting for a play of the weekend. We'll put $5 on it and at season end hope to have some money to charity. And our winner has selected Auburn minus 35 and a half. Auburn is yeah. playing UMass. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, UMass looked okay last week against New Mexico State, right? So... Uh, a rare win for UMass. I think that was their first road win in like several years. I'm not joking about that. Uh, so good for them. Uh, this is one game that I've done zero research on. <laughs> so good luck. Yes, we'll all be rooting collectively for that to happen. Uh, we'll take your phone calls as well today around 1115-602-260-1060 is the number. But let's get into some Major League Baseball here, something that Bob was looking forward to, and it sounds like it didn't disappoint, right, Bob, with the Braves beating the Dodgers 8-7. to Lance Lynn, it was four and a third for him, seven hits, seven runs, two walks, one strikeout, three home runs, including what a day for Ronald Acuna Jr., a grand slam in the second after he ties the knot and gets married in the morning uh, for the Braves. Spencer Strider six- and then stole his 62nd base or whatever it is right last yeah. night. He had another you know, so he had a lot going on yesterday. <laughs> Spencer Strider on the hill for the Braves. Six innings, four hits, four runs, two walks, nine strikeouts, and yeah. one home run for him giving yeah. up. He, he, he gave it up to Mookie, though, so maybe that's okay uh, or loud or understandable. Uh, Strider wasn't very good. Uh, this game was, you know, when did kind of give you an idea. Of, I'm sure that people really care about this, but I'm going to say it anyway. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, when the ASU game got got when the ASU game got to halftime, and basically uh, I decided I'm not going to wait the, the weather delay here, and then it turned out to be like an hour longer than anticipated. So I'm glad I didn't do that. But this game was like seven to one or eight to one at that time. And then uh, the Dodgers made a run because Mookie hit consecutive home runs. Uh, and uh, you know, quickly it turned around. So I actually made it uh, through this game. The Dodgers actually had two runners on base in the ninth inning. Uh, and uh, Iglesias got out of the jam. It looked like Mookie hit a third home run consecutively in the ninth inning, at least when it left the bat. Uh, he hit it to right field and it turned almost to the warning track. But you know, it was uh, you know, if you're watching it, you thought, "Oh my God, he just hit another one!" <laughs> so, pretty amazing. He's now 38 home runs in the season. Obviously, the two MVP candidates. If you listen to the two broadcasts last night, we played the highlight at the start of the Sports Zone with Acuna's grand slam, and they talked about something like an MVP statement or something there. I was watching the Dodger broadcast with Betts hit a second home run, and they mentioned MVP in their broadcast too. So. <laughs> Kind of a battle for the MVP here. I also learned something yesterday. You know, the war statistic, which I've never quite understood, uh, you know, depends on, you know, the, it's such a, 
you know, variance between, you know, what the ingredients are. There's two apparently websites that are strong into this war, you know, the wins above replacements, what that stands for. Uh, but the reason that Betts is ahead of, you know, basically Acuna now is because Acuna has been thrown out stealing too often. That's apparently why he's not ahead in war. Okay. That's uh, makes me yet another reason for me not to believe in the war stat. The Braves and the Dodgers, this series continues. Uh, so tonight it's going to be Max Freed, 5-1, 2.85 ERA, 53 strikeouts. Julio Urias, 11-7, 4.41 ERA, 113 strikeouts. Saturday, Bryce Elder, 11-4, 3.50 ERA, 107 strikeouts. The last I saw this morning, the Dodgers did not yet announce a starter for yeah. Saturday. Sunday, Charlie Morton, 14-10, 3.29 ERA, 165 strikeouts in Bobby Miller for the Dodgers, eight and three, four ERA, seventy-nine strikeouts. Yeah, Morton and Miller have both been, for the most part, really good lately. Uh, Morton's been really good lately, so we'll see what happens with that. I think the most important thing that happened to the Dodgers yesterday is uh, they've officially announced, yes, uh, at some point yesterday, that Walker Bueller is going to begin a rehab assignment uh, officially uh, on Sunday. He's going to pitch two innings. Uh, one or two innings, depends on pitch count, at AAA Oklahoma City. Uh, the plan is for them to make, for him to make at least three rehab starts. Now, the thing that seemingly changed here a little bit, uh, their speculation was that they were going to just use him as an opener uh, when he comes back. You know, if he, everything goes well, knock on countertop here. At uh, you know, when he's done with his rehab and you know, be an opener for the uh, towards the end of the season. But I heard last night that they actually are now thinking about making him a potential starter and maybe, you know, he might just be more than a one or two inning game, one or two inning guy to start the start a game. So that would be a big difference when they enter the postseason. If they're going to pitch him one or two innings, why don't they just have him close the damn game? Uh, so sticking with, you know, kind of how everything is unfolding here in the National League, and you did have the Giants uh, playing yesterday, yeah. a four-game series against the Padres got started. They took care of business with a 7-2 to two victory. Yeah. Well, the Padres, you know, I heard yet another person this morning tell me that they have this positive run differential. How could they have a losing record? Because they suck. I've been saying that watch the games, people. They're not any good. Uh, they last, last night, I didn't watch this because I'm just done watching the Padres because they disgust me. But it, it seemed like that this might be a team that is now officially quit. Uh, they didn't even have a hit in the first four innings last night off of Jeff Junis, who was the Giants opener. And the Giants were kind of ready to take him out after like the first inning if it didn't go well. But he didn't give up a hit for four innings, so he pitched four innings. Uh, the Giants are also getting healthier now, especially in the outfield. Mike Yastrzemski came back on Wednesday. Uh, he had a big night last night. Uh, also, by the way, the Padres gave up five under runs of the seven last night. Another sign that they're kind of giving it up because that's the one thing they've actually done this year is they've done a good job catching the baseball. Uh, but Yastrzemski ended up homing, homering in this game. Uh, you know, in the second game off the injured list earlier this week, Mitch Handiger came off the injured list. And if those two guys are healthy, uh, can stay healthy the rest of the season, which is questionable because unfortunately they've both been hurt quite a bit. Uh, but if those two guys are healthy, uh, 
it's going to be tough to beat out the Giants for the one of the final wild card spots. They're really a much better offense if obviously those two guys are in the lineup on a regular basis. So for the Diamondbacks, they now get into the action here with a three-game series with the Orioles tonight. It's going to be Cole Irvin, 1-3, 4.78 ERA, 58 strikeouts. Zach Davies, 1-5, 6.93 ERA, 51 strikeouts. I think the big question here for Zach Davies is can he put two good starts together now? I don't know if he's done that all year, quite frankly. I mean, he wasn't very good before he got hurt. He uh, got hurt a couple times this season. So he was good last Saturday against the Reds, but the Reds' offense is just completely tanked. Uh, in fact, the Reds have been not good in the month of August for the most part, and their offense has suffered the most. So I'm not sure if I can take a ton out of uh, his performance uh, last Saturday night against the Reds, which they eventually blew the game after he left with a substantial lead. Uh, Irvin, uh, he's been up and down uh, for in a lot of ways. I think he even went back to the minor leagues for a little while this year. The numbers don't look good at all, but I know he had one really good start here. In the la- might have been his last start, uh, so we'll see what happens. But, uh, yeah, tomorrow night's Bradish goes for the Orioles. So I think he's actually been their best starting pitcher for the majority of this season. Uh, so that's uh, the guy that I think that uh, – you know, truth to be told that if they had to win one game that Bradish would be their dude even ahead of Kyle Gibson uh, who has you know you know some better you know some comparable numbers or even better but Bradish has been very good uh, Slage to Coney goes tomorrow night and he actually got some swing and miss last week I've been waiting for that for you know the time we've seen Mr. Shikoni this year but they got some of that last week and uh, hopefully that will continue but that was also against the Reds so I don't know what I think of that <laughs> Yeah, to your point, Ciccone, uh starting on Saturday against Kyle Bradish, and then Sunday, Jack Flaherty up against Zach Gallen. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how this series all unfolds and how it all shapes out for the National League as well, because you have, of course, the Braves on top, 88 and 45, the Dodgers, 83 and 50, the Brewers, 74 and 59, then the National Wild Card, the Phillies, 74 and 59, the Cubs, 71 and 62, and the Giants holding on to that last spot now at 70 and 64. With the D-backs on the outside looking in, 69 and 65, one game back. The Reds, 69 and 66, one and a half games back. And the Marlins at 500, three games back. The Reds start a four-game series tonight against the Cubs, by the way. So yes, we'll see how do. that goes. I also think that uh, the Flaherty thing is extremely iffy. Uh, he's uh, been sidelined for a while with what they call general soreness. Oh, okay. I have, I have general soreness. <laughs> I'm not sidelined. <laughs> Bring it on, Flaherty. Come on. You mentioned here so some other games to pay attention to around Major League Baseball this weekend, the Cubs and the Reds. It's a doubleheader today, I guess a makeup here in the, the from April yeah. 5th. Jordan Wicks up against Graham Ashcraft. Yeah, uh, Wicks has just been brought up. Uh, I think this is his first appearance or start since they just he's been up and down as far as the major leagues and the minor leagues, uh, there are some fantasy people that like them a lot. Uh, I don't haven't seen enough of them to really dislike him or like him, so I'm not sure. But I know there's some people that think highly of him, uh, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, Ashcraft has been surprisingly good. Uh, well, maybe not surprisingly good. That's maybe the wrong phrase. But for a guy that didn't strike out hardly anybody, 
uh, for a large chunk of the season. He's been like Nolan Ryan in the last few starts here. Not quite to that level, but you get my gist. He's gone for somebody that didn't get hardly any swing and miss to somebody that's got a whole lot of it. Uh, if I were an opposing manager, I'd like, can we check and see if he's got some substance thing going here or something? What the hell's going on? Why is he suddenly a swing and miss guy? The Twins are at the Rangers uh, today. It's going to be Joe Ryan, 9-8, 4.33 ERA, 159 strikeouts. And Max Scherzer, 12-5, and 3.71 ERA, 161 strikeouts. This would have been much more fun had Scherzer pitched against the Mets. Uh, in New York City the last few days, but he wasn't, you know, he that wasn't his turn. I mean, he pitched, you know, he wasn't scheduled to pitch in the series because of what, you know, when he pitched previously. Like I said, it would have been more fun. Uh, Joe Ryan, another guy that's been wildly inconsistent. Uh, you know, he had one game where he gave up five home runs uh, this year, but for the most part, uh, he's been okay or better than okay. And the Twins. Uh, you know, I know at one point, as of a couple of weeks ago, had the best starting rotation as far as new numbers go in baseball. Uh, you mentioned the Mets, and I bring them up here because they're hosting the Mariners, and this is all about the AL West. Uh, the Mariners, to be determined, the last I saw this morning, the Mets sending up Kadai Singa, 10 and 7, 3.17 ERA, 164 strikeouts. Yeah, I, I, I quit watching the Mets a long time ago. Kind of like the Padres, I just you know they disgust me, and I like I'm a I'm a baseball fan, and uh, I don't need to watch them play because I just don't need to you know I'm not need to throw up by watching those teams throw up on themselves, uh, to use a Kevin McCabeism there, uh, from back in the day. Uh, but uh, you know I think the big thing is Julio Rodriguez. He is he okay? Uh, there was a report out there that he was going to be on the injured list, and uh, I follow this closely because I have Julio on a very important fantasy team, and he's not on the injured list yet, but it seemed like it was a possibility. He has missed the last two games with some kind of lower body things, like a hockey injury. The Yankees are at the Astros. Carlos Rodon, 1-4, 5.97 ERA, 33 strikeouts. Justin Verlander gets the start, 10-6, 3.06 ERA, 110 strikeouts. But this, of course, is in that AL West and the, uh, the American League in general as they're all jockeying for their positions. True. Uh, the Astros, they've won five in a row. They just swept the, the Red Sox and Fenway. Uh, and uh, they had never done that before is what I Red yesterday? Never? I mean, I realized they were in a different league for a long time, but seems like never is kind of surprising to me, at least. I was surprised. I'm still surprised. Uh, so there's that. But uh, the Astros are playing better, right, when I said last week that I just think that they haven't quite figured it out. So apparently they have. <laughs> uh, and the Rays are at the Guardians. Tyler Glasnow versus Cal Quintrell. Yeah, I don't understand why Quantrill's still in the rotation. I mean, they've had, you know, they've lost some guys. Well, they obviously added Giolito, so maybe that'll kick Quantrill back out. I, the, 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 uh, the Guardians have several young pitchers who I think have deserved a lot more run than, than uh, Quantrill, who uh, I liked. I think his dad, he was a really good pitcher in the major leagues. I liked him more than his son. Join the Lombardi at, Foundation. At, as a, at either them personally, so I should 
point that out. Sorry. <laughs> Join the Lombardi yeah. Foundation for a continental breakfast buffet and mimosa bar before golfing 18 holes at the legendary Talking Stick Golf Club on September 16th. Your golf experience will feature food, drinks, golf games, and giveaways as you enjoy a day out on the golf course. Get your tickets today, LombardiFoundation.org slash Lombardi dash Southwest dash open. 602-260-1060. If you'd like to chime in, we'll get into some NFL Arizona Cardinals on the other side of the break. It's the extra point. Need social information about KDUS AM 1060? Try KDUS1060.com at KDUS AM 1060 on Twitter and Facebook.com slash KDUS AM 1060. Eleven twenty-seven here on this Friday, September 1st. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. The Arizona Cardinals, they made some additional moves yesterday. They claimed offensive lineman Carter O'Donnell off of waivers from the Colts, and they put offensive lineman Dennis Daly on IR. Remember, Daly was part of the a couple of offensive linemen that went down in that Vikings game, and you already have gains on IR. And Jonathan Gannon meeting the media yesterday, confirming that gains will miss the year. Now daily being put on IR yesterday, as well as linebacker MyJ Sanders also on the IR list. Yeah, that daily injury looks scary. Uh, you know, so not surprised that he's out for a while. A couple no, of, I don't remember. Is, is IR now? If you're on IR now, or is that you're out for the season? I don't. There's a date that kicks in. I don't know if that's already happened or not. Yeah, because right, if you start the season on IR, they've changed a whole bunch of those rules and yeah. to how you can come back and how many games you have to miss, and then also the number of players that could potentially be eligible to return. Um, you used to have to have yeah. you used to be able to have no one able to return after going to IR. Now I think oh, they allow right. yeah. two right to come back. Okay, that sounds right. Yeah. Okay. By the way, uh, if you're if you got cut as an offensive lineman by the Colts. Uh, they need offensive linemen. So I'm guessing that uh, Mr. O'Donnell, who I'm not familiar with, uh, I think it would be unlikely that he's going to help the Cardinals. As it is for some takeaways that I had from Jonathan Gannon meeting the media yesterday, uh, it appears that quarterback Jeff Driscoll is rejoining the practice squad. Then when it comes to finding out more about the quarterbacks and who's starting week number one, Gannon was asked about the evaluation of both quarterbacks, meaning uh, Joshua Dobbs and Clayton Toon, with so little time before week one. He said that he's been in unique spots before, not knowing who QB1 is until Friday before, so he feels comfortable with where they are at. Uh, when it asks for more follow-up here on what will separate Dobbs and Toon this week, Gannon said with one word, production who screws up the least is that what that would be yeah, sorry just that's my that's my answer to that uh so we'll see what happens but uh yeah i was correct though at least according to pro football talk as of yesterday afternoon the cardinals had claimed more players off waivers than anybody in the league with seven and the only other thing that I had to point out here from what Jonathan Gannon had said yesterday is the the conversation surrounding what Clayton Toon was able to get out of some preseason games and whether or not everything was just vanilla. And according to Jonathan Gannon, that's not the case, is that they were able to get some experience with opposing defenses 
throwing some stunts and a few little things at him, some curveballs, so that they were great opportunities for the team. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it'd be nice if he didn't have the, you know, back up and recently cut offensive linemen in front of him. Yeah, that's the part that was a little interesting. Um, if you felt like you weren't going to move forward with Colt McCoy, not giving him an opportunity then to see what he looked like behind yeah. the the leading offensive line. Totally agree with that. I mean, if you're going to – they had to have known a while ago. I mean, when uh, they explained the McCoy thing and uh, when, you know, when they talked about that on Monday afternoon while they cut him, yeah, he mentioned – the off-season, the OTAs, the mini-camp, the training camp, the preseason game. So this just wasn't something that came up on Monday. Uh, it sure seems like they could have given Tune a better opportunity for success. Because I think we were kind of praising them for, especially in that first preseason game, you know, giving him a lot of run, that that was great to be able to get that type of experience. But now knowing yeah. what we know, I'm like, well, hey, they should have given him the opportunity in, in week two then to go with the ones on the offensive line unit just to see how that would have unfolded. True. And in fact, I, you know, I was apparently dumb enough to say at one point that I thought they were giving him uh, giving him a big preseason look because they need to see what they had with him now, uh, and this is the only time he's going to play this year. And uh, you know they can find out what they have, and uh, at the end of the year, if Kyler Murray's not here next year, they can figure out you know, whether they need one or two more quarterbacks. So that was kind of my whole thought process is why he got so much playing time during the preseason. Never really crossed my mind that, wow, he might be the week one starter. You know, I don't necessarily think that the line of thinking, though, about, hey, is Clayton Toon going to be somebody who can be that kind of backup that we need that, you know, if something does happen, whether it's Kyler Murray, whether it's moving on and drafting a new quarterback with uh, a pick that you have in 2024, but can you solidify that position and seeing if he can be the guy? I don't necessarily think that that was a, a wrong way of looking at it. Maybe not. I mean, it'd be nice if we got a tell-all book at some point. Uh, you know, the 2023 Cardinals, uh, Monty Austin Ford and Jonathan Gannon admit that they tanked the season to get the first pick of the draft. Around the NFL, some other things that caught my attention yesterday. TJ Hawkinson signing a four-year contract extension with the Vikings that will pay him at least $66 million and up to $68.5 million. That's an average annual value deal at $17.125 million and $42.5 million guaranteed. Both of those figures make him the highest paid tight end in history with the 10 games. Because remember, he was with the Lions. He was traded to the Vikings last year. In his 10-game stint with the Vikings, Kings in 2022 he had 60 catches 519 yards and three touchdowns yeah I did also I remember when we did our Vikings preview a few weeks ago the one thing that definitely got caught my attention statistically is that uh, the yards per attempt uh, for Kirk Cousins went up big time after they got Hawkinson I'm really curious to see what the Vikings are going to do because, okay, so you have TJ Hawkinson and the deal that he has. You also have a pretty darn good wide receiver that's probably going to want to get paid here soon in Justin Jefferson. And then you have the looming decisions. What do you do with Kirk Cousins? Because he's not under contract after this year. 
Correct. Uh, and the, the, the Kyler Murray rumor was out there. They'd be interested in him at the end of the season. I know that was out there uh, at the start during at some point during training camp or sometime sometime this summer that was out there. So we'll see. Uh, in the short term, um, pretty curious and interested, and hopefully can financially benefit from this. I think I'm going to be betting some Vikings games week to week uh, over the total. Uh, then I just thought it would be interesting to take a look at the tight ends here in the league, what their average annual salaries are and some production from 2022. So TJ Hawkinson resetting the market here. Then you have Darren Waller making an average of $17 million. Uh, he had injury situation last year for him, just nine games in 2022, 28 catches, 388 yards, three touchdowns. It's no question here his athleticism athleticism it's no question uh the difference maker he can be when he's healthy curious to see how he'll be deployed maybe the red zone touches that he'll get the opportunities that he'll get now that he's with the giants yeah um once again somebody doesn't watch preseason games but i do listen to some fantasy football podcast Apparently, he's had a very nice connection with Daniel Jones in the preseason, including like the first four plays of one game a couple weeks ago. All went to him target wise. Uh, George Kittle, he makes an average of 15 million, 15 games for George in 2022. Uh, he also happens to have some injury history with himself and yeah. injury history heading into this season, too. 60 catches, 765 yards, and 11 touchdowns. Yeah, I think that Kittle's actually, for me, become kind of a question on the, the, the Niners' offense. Uh, you know, they've added all these other weapons, uh, and it seems like that they're all healthy, except, you know, I think he's healthy now. But, uh, you know, but I don't know. I would assume he's going to have less targets than he's had on the average over the years. Plus, you know, Jimmy G loved him. But then again, you know, Brock Purdy certainly liked him after Purdy became the starting quarterback because Kittle's numbers actually went up towards the end of last season when Purdy was the quarterback. So I guess kind of contradicted myself there. But they definitely have more weapons around uh, that are available, not just McCaffrey, but obviously, uh, you know, the Ayuk especially. Uh, who seems to be uh, – there's no doghouse anymore. I think they blew up the doghouse uh, where kind of – that's kind of where he started last year. Yeah, Ayuk has had uh, some tremendous growth here with the 49ers and, of course, Debo Samuel in his particular role. So there's plenty of football – for uh, all the different playmakers to move the ball down the field for the 49ers. Travis Kelsey, he makes an average of $14.312 million, 17 games for him in 2022, 110 catches, 1,338 yards, 12 touchdowns, and it's uh, no secret the connection that he has with Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, and he was a big part of our uh, fantasy discussion uh, earlier this week uh, to the point where he might, he's, in some fantasy drafts, he's actually a first-round pick as a tight end, which is rare. Dallas Goddard makes an average of $14.25 million with the Eagles, 12 games last year, 55 catches, 702 yards, three touchdowns. I think there are some pretty big expectations for him again this year. I have a fantasy draft, the big one on Monday, on Labor Day, and I would not be unhappy. I would be very happy if I had Goddard as my tight end. 
And finally, the last tight end I wanted to talk about here, Mark Andrews. He makes an average of 14 million, yeah. 15 games in 2022, 73 catches, 847 yards, five touchdowns. We know the connection that he has had with Lamar Jackson. I'm just curious now in this new offense, Todd Munkin, it's like, you know, air Lamar with the wide receivers, Zay Flowers and Odell Beckham Jr. Will that impact Mark Andrews at all? Uh, good point. Uh, yeah, Monken certainly liked his tight ends at Georgia. Yep. Uh, also, nobody seems to point out that when Monken has been an offensive coordinator in his last couple of stops in the NFL, it has been uh, less than good. Yeah, you've been kind of the only person I've heard mention that. Yep, I am the only person that ever mentions that. But you know, it was not a good situation in Cleveland or Tampa. So just, uh, in fact, so much so, he had to go back to college to get his next job. He ended up at Georgia, and I think I could call plays for Georgia. (laughs) It's poll question time on the other side of the break. We answer the Raiders' uh, win-loss total as well as Sunday's matchup in college football week one, LSU, Florida State. We'll do that next. It is the Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com, and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Tune in weekdays to the Sports Zone with Bob Kim from 9 to 10 a.m. on KTUS AM 1060, KTUS1060.com, and with the KTUS 1060 app. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortellaro with you up until noon today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. And as it is during this segment, it's time to get into the poll questions. So let's start with the KDOS1060.com poll question. Bob caught up with Vic Tafer of The Athletic talking all things uh, Las Vegas Raiders. If you missed the interview, you can podcast it, KDOS1060.com, as well as with the KDOS1060 app. But the question here for the 2023 Raiders, is it over or under seven and a half wins we've had this case a bunch here i think this is the right number um you know if it were six and a half win by the way if you missed it earlier there are plenty of six and a half worldwide out there so maybe wherever you do your wagering business uh maybe you can get a six and a half if you're interested in uh, betting the over on this uh so just a little you know suggestion for that not a suggestion but uh some info for you uh to proceed if you'd like um, as far as this uh, seven and a half, I can't make I cannot make a case for the Raiders going over seven and a half as much as I would like to, because uh, I actually think that they're not nearly as bad as I thought for like the last two months. Uh, when I dove into them yesterday, uh, you know, certainly I realized that they had you know all kinds of weapons on offense. Uh, then again, I'm not a, you know people have listened to this show even occasionally. Uh, I'm not exactly the president of the Jimmy Garoppolo fan club, uh, but you know, he does once again going to another team that has lots of guys to get the ball to, and those guys can do a whole lot of damage once he throws like a five-yard pass and completes it. Those guys can make it much longer than a five-yard gain. Uh, so good for him that he's been able to find another team that wants to do that. 
Uh, but I just think that in uh, their offensive line was really good last season, which I didn't. Well, I realized that you know Jones got to be pretty good if you have the leading rusher in the league, uh, you know, running behind you or in front of you or through you, uh, etc. Uh, but their defense has just not been good. And plus, they have a killer schedule uh, for a team that's, a, you know, last place schedule, basically, or next to last place schedule from last year because Denver is also in this division. <laughs> but, uh, you know, not the most difficult schedule of all time, you would think, just based on who they're playing. But they've got a couple of just brutal schedule stretches. So I guess for the purpose of the question, I'd go under here even though I kind of think they might be better than I thought for most of the summer when I said it might be one of the worst teams in the league. I should probably shut up before I do the research, but they're the last of our 32 teams that I did research on. So I didn't quite realize all that until yesterday. And uh, just to add the, real quickly the schedule, their first four games, this might be the toughest four games to start of the season of anybody, and we've now done all 32 teams. They're at Denver. We've talked about the altitude and altitude in Denver in the early season. That's been a high winning percentage for the Broncos at Buffalo's game two, Pittsburgh at home in game three, which will be like a billion Pittsburgh fans in Las Vegas. And then they play the Chargers at LA in week four. That's their first four games. And then they have a three straight game stretch from November 12th through the 26th. That stretch is home against the Jets. Here's the breaking news. A lot of people from New York live in Las Vegas now. Uh, at Miami and then home against the Chiefs. So good luck. Also, if you like the Raiders, you're going to love it because, A, we play, we have their games here. But if you're not able to listen, they have four primetime games for some reason. Why is that? Yeah, I was going to say, uh, you kind of coming around to the Raiders not being as bad as you had originally anticipated. I'm like, for everyone's sake, with these standalone games – Three Monday night contests and one Thursday night contest. Have to hope that it's not going to be uh, dreadful to watch. Week 5 versus the Packers. Week 8 at the Lions. Uh, week 15 versus the Chargers. That's the Thursday night contest. And week 16 at the Chiefs. Um, my questions here are, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo. Obviously, he's being reunited with a familiar uh, offensive-minded person that he spent a ton of time with in New England, and Josh McDaniels, who's the head coach. Uh, you, know, you certainly have some different playmakers to be able to get the ball to. My question is, how happy, unhappy is Devonte Adams? Does it depend upon, you know, how the season starts? Whether or not Devonte Adams wants to be traded by the deadline? Like, how is that kind of all going to unfold? Because it seems like Devonte ended up going to. Las Vegas because he wanted to play with Derek Carr and obviously Derek Carr's not there anymore. Uh, Josh Jacobs, how productive is he going to be? And then the huge factor here is uh, will the defense be better? Does Patrick Graham make it through the season as defensive coordinator? Um, uh, yeah, I would lean in the under direction here at seven and a half. I think we've talked about this and you mentioned it just briefly there that Vegas did a great job with these lines. Like a lot of them are like God, that is mm -hmm. like uh, just splitting hairs whether it's going to go over or under yeah and i could be completely off base here but it sure seems like i had a lot more interested in betting more in fact i'm certain that i bet more games when it was a 16 game season maybe it's just a math problem in my brain but this 17 game season thing the last two years i, I 
think I've got three official bets. And I got another week to think about this uh, before the season starts, but until next Thursday. But I think I've had three bets right now. And last year, they I had one total uh, the entire league. Uh, so to me, it's been much more difficult the last two years to uh, you know, come up with wagers as far as season win totals. That's one of my favorite things to do on an annual basis for many years. I'm not great with math, but I'm wondering if there's some sort of probability behind this that because of the schedule landing on an odd number, that that in favor kind of helps odds makers and line makers because it's not, you know, a 16-game schedule. It's a 17-game schedule. Well, the other thing now is you got teams that play nine home games or eight road. You know, there's not, you know, there's a differential. You know, you don't have the eight and eight that you used to have. So I think that was uh, easier for me back in the day, too. Uh, And then also kind of along those lines, they have so many international contests as well. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, Jacksonville loses two home games this year because they're playing two games in London. Under seven and a half wins at 77% of the vote, over seven and a half wins at 23%. This is KDOS1060.com. Flipping this on over to Twitter at KDOSAM1060. Who wins Sunday in Orlando, Florida State, and LSU? Uh, Eileen LSU here. Um, Yes, the Florida State offense finished the year explosively, but I question the opponents that they were playing for some of those explosiveness. And when I look at LSU's defense and uh, Perkins Jr. and how just of a massive stud he is, um, you know, I'm 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 wondering how who's going to have the edge. And I might give that to the LSU defense Um, for LSU's offensive side of things. I mean, we saw Jaden Daniels, what he was able to do, uh, making progress, throwing the football. Also, what he was able to do with his legs. So now the question is here, can they get some fewer or get some more big plays from other people that aren't named Jaden Daniels? So how is that all going to kind of come together here? And I trust Brian Kelly more than I trust Mike Norvell, if I were giving a coaching matchup, so I would say LSU. I agree with that, even though I've seen Brian Kelly do some head-scratching things during games, uh, including this game last year, quite frankly, when he made a couple of bonehead decisions and put them in a massive hole. They almost came back from that. They, they lost by one point in the end uh, with an extra point situation at the yep. end of the game. Yeah. Uh, so they would have gone to overtime had it not been for that. But uh, so I'm not sure about that part. But I, you know, think that there's some. You know, if I had to do anything, let's put it this way: uh, if this were, if I were in a pool and I'm not in the college football pool to just pick winners straight up, and if I had to pick winners straight up in this game, I would circle LSU as far as a pool goes. Uh, but I'm not going to lay two and a half, and it looks like this number might actually hit three. The masses are on the LSU side of things here at uh, 64.7% of the vote. Florida State sitting at 35.3% on Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. We wrap up this Friday, September 1st edition of Extra Point on the other side of the break. Remember, it was a Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. Visit them this weekend, 2390 North Alma School in Chandler. It's also a three-day weekend, so plenty of 
<laughs> so plenty of uh, meat options for you over at uh, Vaughn Hansen's Meats and Spirits for the three-day weekend. We'll wrap things up, though, on the other side of the break. It is The Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. We'll do what's best for the team, and we'll do what's best for you. The Rich Eisen Show, coming to you weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Here on KDUS AM 1060 and KDUS1060.com. Brought to you by Vaughn Hansen's Meats and Spirits on this Friday, September 1st edition of Extra Point. Once again, these weekend specials for you. Certified Angus Beef Choice New York Strip Steak at $24.99 a pound. Bacon-wrapped boneless pork chops at 2 for $10. And fresh jumbo party-style chicken wings at $4.99 a pound. If you haven't, visit them at 2390 North Alma School in Chandler. I greatly suggest you do so. There's plenty of things to, uh, well, buy and then consume. And as you remember, with the Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits, the $100 gift certificate, and today's winner as we're getting started for the 2023 season, what is the bet of the weekend? We're all rooting for Auburn minus 35 and a half as they take on UMass. But it's thank you time, Bob. Okay. That would be a good basketball game in the past years. Not necessarily now, but in the past. All right. Thank you, Time. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever and whatever else slipped through the cracks. Also, our guest today, we had a Raiders preview with Vic Tafer of The Athletic. He also thought 7.5 was a pretty good number. Uh, Sound day courtesy of CBS, ACC Digital Network, ESPN, Major League Baseball, Pac-12 Network, and also ATL 680. That is the flagship of the Braves. Thanks to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. That's right. Uh, The big thing, NAU football gets their season started against U of A tomorrow. Mitch Stroman on the call. Pre-game set for 6 p.m. Kickoff at 7. You can tune in right here on KDOS AM 1060. As it is for tonight, the Diamondbacks are hosting the Orioles. Cole Irvin, Zach Davies. It's a 640 start. Everyone have yourselves a fantastic weekend. Monday, Labor Day as well. The Sports Zone with Bob Kemp with you will be back with you on Tuesday starting at 9 a.m. Have yourselves a great weekend.